yes, uh, yes, of course, I believe it. I mean, every every agency has been overwhelmed with evidence, but I, I just don't think the Russians are trying to hack this podcast. Oh, hi, it's Pete Pomisano, and welcome to another episode of RLTP's Off-Road. And this episode brings you some very familiar faces, familiar to the Buffalo Theater community and familiar to a lot of people uh, in general. Uh, first of all, we'll be talking to Saul Alkin and Jordana Helpern from JRT, the Jewish Repertory Theater. And they'll tell us what's going on with the JRT season this year. And then, as a special treat, an extra special message from the bunker from a mystery guest. I really think this one is going to stump you, but uh, I'm not really sure. I know one thing. It's going to... It's going to delight you because it's a lot of fun. And then, after that, as if that wasn't enough for one podcast, something that you've all been waiting for. Two very favorite guys of everyone in the Buffalo Theater community, the two guys who run the matinee bar right down there on Main Street, right next door to the 710 Theater, right in the theater district, Rex Keppel and Kevin Shanahan will be here to tell us how they are coping with what I am now told we are referring to as the vid and how they are dealing with the new restrictions as they open up their bar again and welcome back members of the Buffalo Theater community and everyone else who loves these two guys. But first, let's start off with one of my dearest friends, the venerable Saul Elkin and Jordana Halpern from the JRT. Here on Off Road with Pete Pomisano. The Bar Mitzvah Boy is going to be broadcast all over the world. That is so exciting, and there are so many, so many bad things about this pandemic. But one of the pluses is that we are connecting with, in your case, Jewish communities and Jewish theaters and Jewish groups all over the world. Absolutely. I mean, Jordana, I can tell you this, but the word is going out to all the Jewish community centers around the country. That's terrific. That's something unexpected, but something that I've heard from uh, many other groups, not other theaters. I mean, let's face it, the, the Jewish Repertory Theater has a unique thing in that you have, you know, even the Irish classical, they're not, they're not... <laughs> Part connected, of they're not connecting to Ireland, you yeah, know. Right. We had a very interesting thing happen where we were hosting the Jewish Plays Project semi-finalist contest. Yeah. And it was supposed to be a live event, and then we had to switch and make it a, a virtual event. But one of the plays that won that contest two years ago was very interesting to the JCC in Houston. And so they contacted us and said, oh, they'd like to see our production of Bar Mitzvah Boy, which was the winning play. And that sort of started this ball rolling with all of these different JCCs and Jewish theaters. And Isn't that interesting? Really, exciting. really wonderful. First, a couple of quick questions about, did you guys lose a show? I think you did, right? In this past season, because your calendar is, is a little bit different from other theaters. You Were you in the middle of a show when everything closed down, as many other people were? No, not really, no. But you did lose another, uh, like the, the third show in the season, is that correct? What was that? So that was Modern Orthodox, and we were waiting to see if we were going to be able to begin rehearsals, and then we realized, we, you know, that couldn't happen, and the JCC closed where our theater is located. So we, um, sure. we had to step away from that show. You know, that brings up a good point, though. Because you're located in the JCC, in the Benderson building on North Forest there, has that turned out to be a plus for you? In, in what ways? Maybe, Jordana, you can address that. Because sure. you spend a lot of time there. I think, yeah, we are very fortunate. First of all, the JCC supports the idea of us continuing with the season. So we have their support. And we get to obviously use the facilities. And they did all the work in terms of making sure that we were completely COVID compliant and safe. So all of the necessary changes were brought in ahead of time. Even though we're not going to be having an audience in our theater, our theater is a safe place for our actors and, and directors and, and the camera people who will be coming in. 
So I think that did make a big difference for us. And they were able to, well, how long were you out? You started telling me before we started recording, you were out for until June, did you say, or was it July? I think it was June. June. You know, things are a little hazy now. <laughs> I know. I feel like we've been in this quarantine for several years now. Oh, I know. It feels like forever. <laughs> to get back to business here. Yes. So the Benderson building opened up in June, and, and then you guys had, the, of course, to sit down and say, what do we do about a season? Because, first of all, the theater is so small. What's, what's the maximum there, uh, Jordana, with a three-sided setup that you'd have is it a hundred it's a hundred seats a hundred seats even though we were not in the building we continued to work and plan of course. all through this time we didn't stop of course yeah the work the work never stops because oh, no you must have had meeting after meeting trying to decide as every other theater company well if we might be able to do this but if not this then this and if not this then this and every possible scenario so tell everybody what the final decision was for this season. Saul, you go first. Okay. Well, I think, you know, we knew we knew we knew we wanted to do something and we knew we couldn't invite an audience into the theater. And we knew that whatever we did, it would have to be virtual online. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we started by thinking that what we would do would be a series of readings of plays. We sought out and found a series of plays. And I think the thinking has advanced a little bit. We're doing something a little bit more than a reading for each. We're doing staged readings so that what the audience will see will be versions of the plays. It won't necessarily be actors sitting in chairs in front of uh, music stands, but it'll be, a, it'll be a reading in any case. <laughs> and in addition to being a reading, it's also going to be filmed or videoed, or, or maybe you can talk a little bit about that. Well, yes, of course. So uh, we've got Full Circle Studio coming in to, to film the plays, so they're going to be very high production values. But we wanted we wanted the season to be more than those plays. We wanted to sort of have educational pieces or promotional pieces about our playwrights. We wanted people to learn a lot along the way. And so we're using this opportunity to do conversations with our playwrights. Every playwright in our season will be participating in a, a sit down and have a conversation with different interviewers. And when will that occur? How, how is that going to be integrated into the, the production or the pre-show or the post-show? Or how is that going to be uh, integrated into the production? Those will be separately taped events, and they'll be available before the show's open. So people have a chance to learn about the shows, learn about the playwrights, learn about the history of these plays. And let's talk a little bit about the production itself. It's not going to be it's going to be filmed live, obviously, but it's you're not broadcasting it live. I don't I hate to use even use the word broadcasting, but because this, you know, it's not really right. But we're taping. You're taping. The reading. We're taping the stage reading. For example, in the case of Bar Mitzvah Boy, we'll we'll do it in the space where we might do it where there's an audience. Instead, there'll be three cameras strategically placed mm -hmm. around. And because the play really, in the case of Bar Mitzvah Boy because it really involves two people all of the time, and it's mostly dialogues, it's a little easier to do. I mean, we will, we are either in the rabbi's office or we're in the attorney's office or on a jogging path somewhere. So it's very easy to move from one to the next. And I've said to David Dwyer, who's doing the set, it could be a music stand, but it should be something more elaborate, yes. like a dais mm -hmm. of some kind. So there, there are those locations. There is a jogging path, which will be just the empty stage, I think. <laughs> uh, the rabbi's office will be a desk and two chairs. Mm -hmm. Joey's office will be a desk and two chairs. And that's it. That's it. Yeah, you don't need anything more. Than, well, I'm revealing more because I, I'm involved, but I, you, know, you don't need much more than that. Maybe some bookshelves or something. But what I really want to ask now is how there are some, there are some theaters in town that are offering things only on a one-night or two-night for example, uh, the Road Less Traveled is doing this Bigfoot show, but it's only on the 2nd and the 9th of October. And, oh, yes, the alleyway just did theirs, but theirs was available every night at 7.30. Are people going to be able to purchase a ticket for this and then watch it at 5 o'clock in the morning or watch it anytime they want? Or is it only going to be Thursday, skip Friday night, of course, Thursday, Saturday, or maybe maybe you won't skip Friday night. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. Can people buy a ticket and then 
watch it whenever they want, or is it going to be only at a specific date and time? People people can buy a ticket and watch it whenever they want. Whenever they each, want. Each performance, each play will be on for three weeks. Okay. And uh, it's entirely up to the purchaser. They will be given a link to tell them how to get to the play. Mm -hmm. And they can watch it from the comfort of their living room or wherever else. Any time of the day or night. At any time. That's that's a day or night. And then Jordana, the when you buy, if I were to buy a ticket, for example, would there also be a link there for the, the playwright conversation that you were talking about? No, those those are actually going to be made available to everyone. You don't need to buy a ticket. Oh, okay. Uh, so through our um, Jewish Repertory Theater website. There's a link mm -hmm. that will be available as well as we'll keep posting on social media. Okay, so people will... We'd love people, you know, to come and, and learn about that, whether they come to the play or not. But of course, we hope they will come to the play. Well, of course, we're all hoping that. <laughs> and let's just talk about the rest of the season then. Tell me about, you have two more shows, correct? Or three more shows? Four more. Four more Four shows? More. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we're, very, we're, being, we're being very... Um, we're being very ambitious. And as I said, all of these can be seen by so many more people. I think this is a, I hate to talk about it as a plus, but this is a plus of the pandemic. I, I think it is. And I think we've been saying that when this, when this pandemic is over, God willing, I think some aspect of what we do should always include a video version of what we're doing. I think I think you're right. I think, and I, I think I read, you probably read the same article I did in the New York Times, where there were critics, New York Times critics were talking about the future of theater. And I think they said exactly what you just said, that every theater from now on, no matter what happens, should include some aspect of a video version that can be available virtually. And it'd be crazy not to. We've been saying that from the start, and I think uh, for this for this season, people will have to buy into seeing things. But uh, in future, I think we'll do both. We'll do live performances and we'll do video performances. Because nothing can ever take the place of being in the room, in the room where it happens, of course. Right. But right. as an additional option for those who can't, I'll tell you why. For me personally, I just did a little something at the alleyway recently. My daughter. They were able to watch it in Atlanta. Yeah, my brother is, as you may or may not remember, my family's all over the country. Yes, nobody lives here but me, <laughs> and so none of them see anything that I ever get to perform in, nor do they get to enjoy any of the other of Buffalo's great offerings. Right. I think it's just great that I'll be able to send them a link and say, "Look for five bucks or ten bucks," and everybody's being very reasonable about the prices oh, yeah. as well, because. You don't have the overhead of, well, of the building. You don't have the overhead of, of printing out programs and all of that stuff. So everybody's being very reasonable on the price. Plus, you have the added bonus that you may be appealing to millions of outside viewers. It's really amazing. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a commercial, not just for the JRT, but for virtual theater in general. I think it's really extraordinary, and it's, it opens a door to a kind of performance we hadn't dreamed of, I think. I mean, it's it's filling a space for us now, mm -hmm. but it'll be an, an additional an additional something for in the future when times are normal again. I, I did want to mention, because while our shows will be taped, we do have one live show. Our second show is called Holiday Shorts, and it's a number of small plays by uh, Atlanta playwright Hank Kimmel, who's very funny. And Steve Vaughn is going to be directing that as a live show. Um, you'll only be able to see it live on the opening night, which is December 10th. Then we're going to take it and clean it up a little and, and, and include it with all the other tape shows. But, but that's a, you know, we're taking some chances. We're having some fun with this along the way. And you'll have to limit the audience, I'm sure, but it'll be a first come, first serve. Oh, oh no, I'm sorry. There, there won't be any audience members. Oh, oh. It will just be broadcast live. Oh. So whatever happens, happens. <laughs> right. Not to worry, Pete. That won't be the case of Bar Mitzvah Boy. <laughs> Bar Mitzvah Boy, we will tape, and the, and the full circle video people will edit it. So that it looks like a, it, it has a wholeness about it. Well, full. I've worked with Full Circle, and they they do their best to make me look good. So, <laughs> I'm I'm happy about. 
I'm really depending on them because this is a new world for me. And if you're doing, like you said, with the three cameras, it all comes down to editing. I was talking to Diane the other day, and there's so much in this script that depends on the ability to see, like, for example, my character says something, and then her reaction is sort of a dirty look. Right. And then my punchline only works if you saw her dirty look. You know what I mean? And I think the cameras, when we, when we tape, Yes. Get it all in, and then they'll edit and decide who we're seeing at any given point. And that's where that editing is is so important. Right. Absolutely. As, as you see in any TV comedy, uh, the, you know that three. Camera. And I'm pretty much going to leave it up to them and their experience to do that. I'm I mean, sure. we will do I'm it sure. the way we might do a performance. Although I must say that when we're taping, we have the luxury of being able to stop after every scene. Yes then yes. go on and do the next scene. Exactly, and I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well. <laughs> yeah. That's a plus you don't get in live theater. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask again, because I sort of got off track, but I do want to talk about what other shows, what the other titles are for the season before I let you go. There are four more shows. Why don't you take, <laughs> Saul, you do a couple. Jordana, you do a couple. Uh, or Jordana, you've already told us one, right? The, the holiday show? And then we're, and then we're doing a play called uh, Exquisite Potential, which is about a, uh, a young couple who have a child and they have decided, that, well, the father in the family has decided that the child is the Messiah. <laughs> I mean, it's a modern play. Oh my goodness. Uh, okay, yeah, that happens every day. That's the third. And then we're doing a play called An Unexpected Life which is an adaptation of What I Thought I Knew, a play that, that we did last year with Josie DiVincenzo. The Josie. The Josie. And she's going to come back and do, um, do the role again, but it is an adapted, it's a shorter version. We did, we did choose shorter plays for this season, knowing that people are, are going to be watching on video. Mm -hmm. You say it's a shorter version, so it's an adapted script from the one that I saw there with Josie last season? Yes. Or, or two seasons ago? Josie will still be doing it and will still be playing multiple characters, but in a much edited version. I got you. Okay, and then what's after that? Oh, we end the season with Bo Jeff, a JRT favorite. Oh, yes, yes, a tremendous favorite. That's a much larger cast, though, yes? It is. And Steve Vaughn will be, Steve Vaughn will be directing that. I would, I'll be directing us in Bar Mitzvah Boy, and I'll be directing Josie in her one-woman show. Uh, but uh, Steve will be doing the other two. Wrong. Adam Yellen will be directing Exquisite Potential. I see. So we have a variety of plays, a variety of directors. It's going to be interesting. And I think uh, an audience member can either purchase one for $20 or purchase all five for $80. Mm -hmm. And when you, when you make that purchase, you will be given the link of the way to get Get it on your computer. Now, that last show, the Bojest show, that is planned for April or May? Should I? I don't really know. It opens March 11th, so it's March 11th to 31st. Yeah, that's. I was going to say maybe that has the potential for a live audience, but that's still pushing it. Well. that That's still... That's, that's a prayer. <laughs> it's our larger cast, so we were looking ahead, like, well, hopefully that is a safer time, mm -hmm. and, and we'll see. Once an audience member purchases either a single play or the package, each play will run for three weeks. Okay. And when you say run, that means it will be available to them via... Available for three weeks. Via YouTube or whatever, whatever right, service exactly is so. used. Which gives, them, gives an audience more flexibility than they have by coming to the theater for a single performance. They can watch it more than once if they like, I guess. Oh, probably. Look, here, which brings up another question, and I don't think I've even asked this of other people, and maybe you either can't or don't want to answer it, but how are royalties decided for these virtual productions? Is it based on the fact that yours is a three-week production and that's why it stops at a certain point? Is it, it can't be based on house size, obviously. So, Jordana, this sounds like it's your realm. So, <laughs> I'm going to put you on the spot. I'll tell you, it was very interesting because when we started approaching playwrights and licensing companies, no one, no one had a game plan. We, we were all starting from scratch. Yes. But we, you know, we were, we we're guesstimating as well as we can how many people may attend. Um, we know the number of days it's available. We also worked with four independent playwrights who we could work with directly. And so they 
that that was easier for us to do. Um, the only uh, which one is it? Um, Bojest, probably. Yeah. Bojest, yeah. Thank you. So Bojest, we had to go through Concord uh, Theatrical, I see. which was formerly Sam French, and that took quite a long time for us to negotiate. But they they did come up with a price that seemed fair. And, and I was getting the feeling all around that people just really want their, their work to be produced and people just wanted to help each other through all of this. It's been very encouraging. It's interesting because a lot of people from the other theaters have talked also about how at the very beginning, as you just said, Jordana, when all of this started and, and people had to start negotiating, the publishing houses, they, they weren't quite sure how to deal with it either, or the playwrights, or even from what I've understood, even Actors' Equity, the, the union, had a very difficult time making, well, coming up with agreeable plans, uh, not just for the theaters, but for their actors and for their safety and so on, because this we were all thrown for a loop. And you know, so far, Actors' Equity is being very intractable. They won't permit their actors to do this at all. Is that right? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm surprised to hear that because you'd think that this would be the perfect time to show a little flexibility. And give, and give actors some employment. <laughs> and give actors, give actors give a couple of stage managers, give everybody a little employment. Right. And it's very little, but you'd think that they, well, I'm, I'm surprised by that. And uh, maybe if this drags on any longer, well, hell, it's been seven months now. How, how much longer do we need before you say? It sort of depends on who you're listening to in Washington, but I, I think it's going to be quite a while. I think it's going to be quite a while, too. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you both, Jordana Halpern and Saul Elkin, of course. This is a lot of great information, That some stuff that I didn't even know. And it's important, I think, to differentiate because everybody's doing something slightly different. Yeah. And yeah. it's important to know exactly what everybody's doing. And... Uh, Boy, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I, I think so it's going to be terrific. So I think it's going to be terrific. Thank you very much. And it's lovely to hear your voice. Oh, <laughs> thank you. It's, it's lovely to see both of you looking so hale and healthy. And I, I, sadly, the, the podcast audience won't. They'll just have to take my word for it. So thank you all. I will talk to you again soon, I'm sure. See you soon. Thanks, Peter. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. The great Saul Elkin and Jordana Halpern from the Jewish Repertory Theater. And if you didn't catch on, I will be performing in Bar Mitzvah Boy. It's a two-person show, just me and uh, Diane DiBernardo. And I hope that you will uh, partake of it because it is just a delightful play. A lot of fun, some seriousness, and just a darn good representative way to start the JRT season. But now... It's time for the moment you've all been waiting for. Yes, it's time for a message from the bunker. Okay. Hi there. I decided after some thought that I wanted to share something with all of you that I've been working on for a long time since being on lockdown here. That is my new hobby, ventriloquism. And along with that, um, since there's not a lot of places to go shop these days, uh, I've also been making my own puppets. Um, so I wanted to share some of that process with you. Uh, it's probably a good time to do it because you're not going to be able to see it. And frankly, I'm a little shy and bashful about this new skill. But uh, I think this might be a good place to roll it out. So um, here we go. Uh, all right. Let's see. Let's get this guy up here. Oh, there we go. Okay. So uh, as you can see, or uh, you would be able to see um, normally, is um, this is a puppet Peter Palmisano. Um, it's photorealistic, uh, which is really important to me in my work. Um, it's also life-size. Uh, as an actor, I feel like it's really important for me to interact with a human-scale object in order to get the real feeling, the emotions, and the interaction that comes between a ventriloquist and his partner, Dummy. So what I thought would be fun is we could do sort of a little fake interview between uh, puppet Peter Palamasano and me. And, uh, oh, I, I have to say that I only found out I was doing this letter from the bunker about a week ago, and um, so I haven't had long to work on the voice, uh, Peter's voice. I've known Peter for years, but um, I haven't really had 
that much time to work on the impression. So bear with me on that. It'll definitely be more refined when I finally get this project out in the open at uh, bars, you know, cabarets, things like that. Hopefully maybe do some openings uh, at other theaters where they need sort of a, a warm up for, you know, a longer sort of dark, dour Irish play or something like that. But that's what I'm hoping for. And uh, I think this is a good way to sort of start rolling it out. So, um, Thank you for listening, and I appreciate your attention and your time. And uh, here we go. Oh, well, thank you, uh, puppet Peter Palmasano. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Oh, that's a good question. What I have been doing, I've been doing a lot of things. I've been working on my bathroom, um, showing off my lack of plumbing skills, but it's almost done. Uh, totally redoing it. Um, it's been fun learning. The most important thing for me is I've been dieting or trying to diet. Um, and as I think a lot of people know, uh, in terms of finding the right diet, well, obviously, <laughs> I mean, you don't know. Look at you. I mean, I don't think you've changed in 50 years. You look great. I mean... <laughs> No, seriously, you look phenomenal. I wish everybody could see you. Well, I wouldn't say it if it wasn't true. Well, you're welcome. But um, I've been trying to pick the best things of all the different diets that are out there. So what I settled on is my own sort of special, unique blend. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I am no carbs. Fat, protein, that's it. Tuesday, Thursday, carb load. No fat, no protein, just carbs. Okay, those days. Saturday and Sunday, I get to take a break. You know, a little vacation from the diet, do whatever I want. Well, so far, I've, um, I'm up 11 pounds. But the way these work is they're, the diets work. There are different sort of chemical processes, ketosis, things like that, that take a while to kick in. So I'm thinking once this finally just like lands, then... Um, you know, I'm just going to, there's going to be a cascade of, of fat and pounds coming off. And I'm really, really excited for that. So, uh, well, that's where I am with that. Uh, what, what's your next question? Wow. Uh, <laughs> that's a very personal question. Puppet Peter Palmasano. But, um, yeah, no, here we go. I guess my answer to that question would be, uh, a black coffee enema and a big slice of apple pie, piping hot, with a big scoop of vanilla ice cream, I think. Well, I came on here to be honest. Well, thank you for your time, too. It's been a pleasure. Um, I really look forward to uh, hearing the rest of this podcast, and uh, I appreciate the time. Thank you, Puppet Peter Palmasano. Well, you heard it here first. I am speechless. Not quite sure what to say, except the impression. Uncanny. That's all I can say about that. And now, the gentleman from Matinee, Rex and Kevin. ready for Friday and Saturday business now that we're up and running again, which is pretty cool. That is pretty cool. I'm, it's, it's nice to finally meet you, although I have met you. I've been there a couple of times. It, I, I don't go there a lot because I'm an old man, but uh, I have been there, and it's nice to finally meet you uh, in person, sort of. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's the new normal of meeting people. Right. I think this is the best we can hope for for a long time. So listen, I, you know, I, of course, want to talk to you about how you're surviving with the pandemic and all that stuff and and how things went on your first opening weekend. We're This podcast probably won't run for a couple of weeks or so. I'll let you know when it does. But in the meantime, I just want to get to know you two guys because everybody I've talked to just loves you. And I don't know how you have managed to embed yourself into the hearts of the theater community. So, By the way, this, is this like your fourth year? Yeah, in April, uh, April 26th of this year was our four-year anniversary. So, unfortunately, we had the COVID thing going on, so we weren't allowed to open. Um, but we did, yeah, it's been four full years of just me and Kevin running the whole place by ourselves. Did you guys know each other a long time before this? Yeah, we went to a Hutch Tech together. We met in 2003. Okay. 
couple classes freshman year. Uh, and then sophomore, junior, and senior, we had a lot more classes and, and we got a lot closer just because we're the same age. Uh, we both have two older brothers that are around the same age too. So we all kind of had a really lucky experience of being able to meet each other and just have the same similarities. We're both the youngest of three boys. So uh, we have a lot in common. And I think that's what really kept us, the chemistry going together for so long. So you are both, you're both local boys. Oh yeah. You both went to Hutch Tech together. You've known each other since since high school perhaps before that so let me let me get a little bit about you guys and and let me tell the audience let me tell my listener <laughs> who you are first of all the guy who's been talking predominantly so far is rex keppel yep. and the guy who's going to talk right now uh, is kevin shanahan kevin tell me a little bit about your past do you have family here yeah, I was born and raised in South Buffalo. Yeah, I went to uh, Waterfront Elementary, which is not in South Buffalo. But then, uh, yeah, we went to Hutch Tech together. Grew up playing soccer, bowling, got into golf a little bit, and that's about it. That's pretty much what I've been doing uh, with my time now is a lot of golf. Well, I won't hold that against you. <laughs> Listen, the whole I, – I should also tell people because I do have a few listeners who, who are not theater – but I should tell them a little bit about the bar, and I would like you to talk a little bit about it, too. It's advertised as the matinee is the original theatrical craft beer bar. And having been there, I have to ask, where the hell do you keep all that beer? You have hundreds and hundreds. Were both of you beer experts before this? To an extent. To an extent. We did like beer, um, but as the... In the last five years uh, alone, the microbreweries and uh, craft beer have really taken a huge boost. So when we first opened, we wanted to have a really relaxed experience at our bar, and we didn't want to implement liquor just yet. Eventually down the road, we might do that. But we figured for just the two of us, if we keep it steady and cool with just beer and wine, uh, we would be able to get more of a cool experience for people, more of a good atmosphere. So once we realized that that's what people came here for and appreciated and also liked. We take a lot of the customer feedback very seriously. So when we heard, you know, about a dozen people saying, oh, I just love the vibe you have. I love how relaxed it is. We were trying to uh, figure out how to keep going with that. And the main thing was, hey, if we keep bringing these beers, that's a story to tell. Each one has a little story and we could teach the people on it. It's almost like a learning experience when you come down here for beer. So we did know a little bit about beer, but because we've been open for four years and that's all we do now, we've been really focused on it and have a really good outlook on what people are expecting and what we expect in a beer. And we like to just treat that with respect in the sense. And the people that come in here really appreciate how much we know about it. So that way they can be schooled as well and feel like they can be a part of the community in, in the beer community. You know what I mean? There's so much cool stuff around here, and we just like to be a part of a, a hub that helps people get all their stuff out, but also helps us get people into our bar as well. Because I do remember this, the one time when I was there, there I believe it was you, Kevin, because I, I, I'm not a beer drinker. I, I, I will drink beer, but I, I don't know the difference between, I can tell the difference between a light beer and a dark beer. That's pretty much it. Yeah. And I was sitting with a couple of friends, and they said, well, go up and talk to the guy at the bar, and he'll, he'll recommend something. And I think it was you, Kevin. I walked up and said, well, I want something with some flavor. I don't like something. I'm not a beer drinker, but I don't like anything too mild, but I want something a little dark. And I gave you this really <laughs> weird list of things that I might like. And you pretty much went, oh, yeah, I've got something for you. <laughs> you reached around behind the bar and you pulled out a, you know, a, a bottle of something or other, which for the life of me, I couldn't remember if my life depended on it. But clearly, you guys know your stuff. And what was the inspiration for even starting the bar to, to begin with? I mean, who's, who's I, who walked up to the other guy and said, I found this little place right next to Studio Arena, or it might have been just 710 by that time, and want to open a bar? <laughs> who did that? I'll take, I'll take, uh, I'll take blame for that <laughs> in the sense of um, me and Kevin always talked about opening a business together just because we have a good chemistry um, and I've also the building that matinee's in it's in a building uh, called 700 Main Street which is pretty much uh, six stories of everything under the entertainment business so you're looking at artists you're looking at musicians actors and actresses uh, rehearsal spaces stuff like that so originally I was in here with a band in 2009 and we were one of the first three groups to get a room in this building. So mind you, it was an empty building. 
we were one of three four-piece bands that came in here and we had pretty much the whole place to ourselves so we started wondering what else is going on in here what else can we do in this place so it went from a little uh, rehearsal space to a, a mini recording studio that we did all of our demos for our music at then our friends jumped onto it too and next thing you know it's this building's full of, of people that in the area all are like-minded so they all came together so this was a coffee shop matinee was a coffee shop in 2015 and that was the time when you couldn't drive on the street just yet they were already doing the construction to rebuild main street but they weren't done yet so the coffee shop owner opened for about nine months and said he couldn't do it anymore based off of no foot traffic and it was really hard for him to get people in here uh, he didn't have a drive-through or anything too so for coffee in the morning it's really hard to do that business the way he was trying to do on his own sure. um so as a joke he went up to me because i came into the coffee shop a lot because i'm in the building uh, and said hey man i'm i'm leaving i have three months left on my lease would you want to buy it out i'll give you a good deal and he said it as a joke <laughs> um so i got coffee i went upstairs i did my thing and I kept simmering on that idea of like, what if I opened a coffee shop or what if I did this? Oh my God, that would be so cool. So I started thinking what businesses could happen. Uh, and then Kevin was a bartender at two different bars during this whole time. So I would go to the bar at night while he would serve me and I would talk to him and you know, it just kind of clicked like, Hey, you're really good at what you do. I'm floating around trying to figure out what I can do best. I used to be a chef so I could do cooking if I needed to. So I was like, what? if we just started a business, what, what would we do? Where would we go with it? And we had a lot of ideas. It was a coffee shop. It was an antique shop. It was a, a, a bar. It was a liquor store. And it was all these things that we put together, put it on a bunch of pieces of paper, looked at everything and realistically thought, Hey, a bar in the theater district for people that are not just going to shows, but the people that are in the shows at that time, I'm working at the town ballroom as the runner. So I was preparing the green room for artists when they came. So I had a really good outlook on the background of everything. So in my mind, I'm like, hey, we need a place to go to. These bands need a place to go to. These actors and actresses need a place to go. To. We need to find our way to accept those guys to come in and enjoy it too, because that's what we're all looking for. And that just happened where we just started putting the pieces of the puzzle together I don't, I don't think we came up with like matinee until, you know, a couple months into actually building the bar. And then we figured a matinee is typically in the daytime and our, our um, hours at the time are going to be after hours. So we figured we'd be the only matinee after 6 p.m. <laughs> so when people talk about I'm going to the matinee after 6 o'clock, they know that they're going to the bar instead of they're going to a matinee show. And that's just kind of, again, the puzzle pieces were there. We just had to look at all of them and then fine tune everything that we had. So, and one of the bars I was working at at the time was closing down or going to new ownership and I didn't want to continue working there. So it kind of just worked out too, where I was like, well, let's start something new. Well, I, I, as a matter of fact, Kevin, I wanted to ask you because I know, I know that you Rex are a vibe technician and we'll get into that in a minute. <laughs> but Kevin, what, what exactly other occupations have you had or do you have? Maybe you do something during the day. I, I don't know. You were a bartender or what else went on in the life of uh, Kevin Shanahan? Yeah. So as I was bartending at Doc Sullivan's in South Buffalo, mm -hmm. and then I uh, some more shifts over at Potter's field. I was also, I worked part-time at Mercy hospital. And I was a hospitality host, so I would dress up in like a tuxedo and I would deliver the uh, dinners to the patients at Mercy Hospital in South Buffalo. Cool. So pretty cool little uh, little part-time gig I had there. And I kind of missed it a little bit, but, you know, this is a lot more fun. <laughs> but this this is your sole gig now, right? Um, in the summertime, uh, when COVID is not happening, Rex and I, we do um, the stage handing down at Canal Side. Uh, set up like the stage for everybody the green room and stuff like that so that's fun which leads us to vibe technician <laughs> uh, my daughter's trying to get me well she's not trying to get me but she's talked about maybe quitting facebook because there's been all this talk about you know how it, it moves into your life and it forms your life and it, it, it curates your life and we have to get away from this but of course this is where i end up doing all my research these days yeah. research both of you guys and that that's what ends up coming up. And that's where I get the term vibe technician. And of course, <clears throat> I know what it means, but perhaps my audience will not be familiar with it. So Rex, 
what the hell is a vibe technician and do you still do that on any regular basis um not on a regular basis like kev said if if uh covid wasn't happening that's what i would consider myself at mm -hmm. uh canal side because technically we're stagehands and we take care of it but i really find a good feel in making sure everyone around me has a good time so i would go on the road i toured the country a couple times with bands locally and some nationally and I went on a couple tours, as in like jumped in a van and trailer, went around the country, came back in 30 days, and we did a bunch of shows in between. Um, so I did that for like a year or two, then ended up going with a bigger band. And the guy, the day he met me, he said, oh, I know guys like you, you're a vibe tech, you're the vibe technician. And I was like, what's that? And he's like, you literally make sure that everyone's in a good mood. You got to make sure if something's bad, you, you know how to just jokingly fix it. <laughs> so after he said that, I was like, hey, I'm a Vitek. I'm a Vitek technician. That's what I do. <laughs> kind of settled into me where I was like, you know what? I do like that aspect on everything I do, whether it's a stagehand, working the bar, talking with new people and stuff. I really like just love to pull that out of people, what the happiness could be, what, what you like to do. And that way everyone feels comfortable and feels good. And that's why I think with me and Kev having the same chemistry like that, you come into our bar and you automatically have that feeling of like, wow, I don't know these guys too well, but they know everyone around me or they're joking with this person. And like, we just have an openness to pretty much everything, you know? Well, that's clear because as I said, everybody I've talked to just loves going to matinee. And of course I have mostly theater friends. And so they've all been there, but, but you're telling me that vibe, see now I, I was joking before and I thought actually vibe technician might be something to do with, you know, actual technology, but it, it dates back to the sixties. It's, it's good vibrations with the beach boys. It's, it's, that's what you do. <laughs> it's, yeah, exactly. It's an emotional thing. It's a, it's a, okay. I, dude, I feel good vibes now from you. And uh, exactly <laughs> what I'm telling you. Exactly. Yeah. Holy cow. And you're, you're like both of you are in your thirties and that just makes me sick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, just to get back to the bar for a second now. So, uh, you know, I see behind you, you've got all the posters up and, and, and I know every time I've been in things have just been a little bit different, a little bit tweaked, something's been added or, or whatever. So your intention right from the start, was to make this a place for theater goers and actors and, and so on and musicians yep. to go to before a gig or after a gig. For those of you who don't know, a matinee is the premier hangout for actors and musicians in Buffalo. It is the place that everyone goes, at the end of a show, people will turn to me and say, are you gonna come out with us? And I'll say, where are you going? And it's always, Matinee, of course. And then my, my response is, well, you know, of course they're going to matinee. It was a dumb question on my part. But did you ever expect that it would end up being what it is, which is this revered, you have to understand that I am old enough to have lived through three other theater bars in Buffalo. One that you've never heard of because neither of you were born yet. It was called Murphy's Omega Cafe. It's where the convention center is now. It, they tore it down. So there was that, and then there was, there was of course, the venerable... Ray Flynn's, Ray Flynn's, of course, where we hung out all the time. And then there have been a couple of other sort of smaller, short-lived things. But this is the first place that has really, really caught on as this is the place for actors and, and musicians to go and hang out. You couldn't have intended that but, and I'm sure you must be thrilled with it, but what do you attribute that to? We, um, to be, I'll be honest with you, we, we did think that this could happen. And what we're doing now is pretty much what we planned on because we were so close in the music scene in Buffalo that it's such, it, it's so parallel to the, the actors and actresses of what they do and how they do their stuff. So we looked at it like, hey, we know this is the feeling we have as musicians. We're in a building of six stories. If no one comes to our bar, at least the building people will because we built a relationship with these guys in the last 10 years. <laughs> so we had a really solid foundation of those people coming in. You could buy beers to go from us. So a lot of them would get a six pack and take it upstairs. And we weren't making a ton of money, but we were making a steady amount of money from those guys. And then it just slowly but surely was a word of mouth thing that started getting people to, to come check us out. 
And we realized if we're going to advertise as word of mouth, we have to have this experience that you go home and say, you know, right before you go to bed, what did I do today? And you're like, wow, that bar I went to was really out of the ordinary, something that I, I didn't expect, but I really liked. I want to go back. And we're seeing these people that'll come in and it's now it's a domino effect of, you know, we had a guy come in on Saturday and I've never seen him before. Kev's never seen him. So I went up to him and I was like, is this your first time? He's like, yeah, how can you tell? <laughs> and I'm like, it's literally the, the bus every time. And I can see that you're looking around and, and trying to figure out what's going on here. So as I talk to him, I'm asking him, oh, who told you about this? He's like, oh, my cousin did. Got the name of his cousin, didn't recognize it. Then he told me a name of his cousin's friend. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy. yeah, the AMC guy. I know exactly what you're talking about. So it's cool to see the word of mouth of like going to the friends, the family, going to their friends and family. And that gives another personal touch that you just can't advertise. You can't put that out there for people other than, hey, go there, talk to Rex, talk to Kev, tell them I sent you. When people do that, they're almost shocked that we know what they're talking about. Like, oh, these guys really do know. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it really connects the dots in such a way that that's what we didn't expect. We didn't expect the word of mouth to be so powerful. We thought we'd have to spend tons of money on advertisement. We'd have to put our, our name in every single uh, handbill and, and flyer around theaters in the in Buffalo. And we, I don't think we've done that once since we've opened and we've been able to still have a regular crowd of people that come in with that personal touch. You just really can't get too often anywhere else, you know? And it happened very quickly. I have to tell you, because the first time I heard about it, somebody would say, Oh yeah, we're going to matinee is if everyone knew. Yeah. And I didn't know. And I thought, what, 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 do you, what do you mean you're going to a matinee? It's, it's 1030 at night. What are you talking about? And they said, what, what are you, stupid? Of course. And then they explained to me what it was. And I said, I've, I've never heard of it. We're talking four years ago now. And interestingly enough, even though I've been there, I, I didn't know your names. I really didn't know your names. But I spoke to people when I started talking about possibly having you on the podcast. It was always, oh, yeah, Rex and Kevin. Yeah, Kevin and Rex. Rex and Kevin. Kevin and Rex. And I went, oh, you know who the, these guys, who they are? Yeah. Oh, sure, sure, we know them. So you've succeeded between Kevin's <laughs> knowledge behind the bar and your vibe creation. <laughs> you've succeeded beyond your wildest dreams, I think, in terms of creating exactly what was desperately needed because since the closing of Ray Flynn's, it was the one place to hang out. And there has never been a place like that until now, where it is the place. And by the way, when you do start selling liquor, send me a personal email because I'll be there the next day. <laughs> I got you, yeah. Okay, now let's talk about something sad. So uh, the quarantine hits, and it hits, of course, it hits hardest to people in your business, in bars and restaurants, and still is hitting hard, and, and the various restrictions that have been placed on you. Let's talk first of all about what you've been doing for the past six months. Obviously, the bar has been closed. Kevin, you said you've been playing a lot of golf, I guess. What else has been going on? Let's start with you, Kevin. What, what have you been doing with yourself? And I guess the door's just been closed, right? Yeah, so the door's been closed, but uh, when everything first happened, we decided to do like um, some to-go beer sales to kind of help pay rent while um, being closed. So um, we advertised that you could come in, buy any type of beer, any quantity, you could buy one to... 24 to 100 if you wanted to and that really helped us pay rent uh, through those months and stuff like that did you have to have a, some kind of a special does that fit under your your liquor license that you can sell takeout beer I, i'd never heard of it until my buddy steve jakeel was talking about it who i'm sure you know yeah. and and then i said what they're doing takeout beer and so is that just naturally fit into your your situation there? Yeah, we have a beer wine tavern license. And in that license, we are able to sell beers to go um, even before COVID happened or anything like that. Never knew that. Yeah, so it really helped us too. And um, like, because there's no stores around here late at night. And when the band members want like a six pack of beer, if they forgot to bring it on their way down, they could uh, buy six pack of Utica Club or Blue Light, Miller Light, any any other kind of beer that they, they'd be into. Yeah. So. And how about you, Rex? What have you been doing to keep yourself busy in the last six months? Honestly, too, I, I took the footsteps of Kev. He's teaching me how to golf because there wasn't any. Oh, no. <laughs> There's not much else to do in that sense. Took on a couple other hobbies. I helped my brother do some woodwork and stuff that I'm really into. I like furniture and stuff like that. Before matinee, I was selling antiques for a while because that's something that I did in between the tours I was going on across the country. 
So we would go out, uh, let's say January to mid-February. I'd come home for about three, four weeks, have to find a job or a gig. So I was selling antiques and stuff on Craigslist for a while, uh, make enough money to go back on the road, go do our thing, get paid a little bit doing that, and just kind of keep the balance going. So I've been trying in the last six months to kind of get like the antique vibe back where it's like, I had a really good, strong passion at a time for that. And it really helped us on the path to start matinee. So I've been trying to do things like that, buy old furniture and refix it and refurbish it for just myself right now. Uh, but until I'm confident that I could be able to sell stuff again. So uh, I've been just kind of honing in on those hobbies that I neglected for a little bit. I play piano too. I played piano a lot during this last six months. So it's one of those things. It's a blessing in disguise. It definitely sucks for everybody. And there is a silver lining here and there when you can come up with extra hours. You know, we've been, like you said, we've been working for four years straight. We don't take time off mm -hmm. other than, you know, like a Christmas time or something like that. We'll take a couple of days off, but we're the only two that work here. We don't have any employees uh, from the day one. We wanted to do that. And we weren't unfortunately bringing enough money in the first year to do that for us. Cause we would have been just paying an employee, not paying ourselves and all this other thing. And at the time we were really tight for cash. So now it's like, you know, just trying to hone in on those skills that really got us to start matinee and to find those, fine tune them and be able to push forward in a trying time with the thoughts and creativity that we had to open matinee. But now we can do it on a whole new level somehow. And just like how matinee happened, it's really a bunch of uh, a bunch of questions and, and thoughts about can we do this? for it to really happen. So now we're getting back in the mindset of what can we do to make this work in such a tough time? How do we do this? And we're slowly but surely getting back to it, you know? But it is it is hard to just go full force, stop completely, then six months go by and you just try to jump back in like nothing happened. It's really difficult to do that. But we're also, we saved enough money aside, thank God, to, uh, be able to pay for rent throughout the last six months and to be able to sustain this, which caused us to open. We realistically wanted to weigh it out and just to see, Hey, maybe in September, maybe uh, something does happen where you can be less than or more than 50% capacity in the bar. And it just, in the last couple months, it hasn't really changed at all. So we figured, you know, we, we're going to have to open eventually. We wanted to weigh it out, see how it worked, but now it's like, you got to do it or else we're going to be tight for everything. Yeah. But, it's good. This weekend, this past weekend was great to reopen for two days. We're going to do Fridays and Saturdays for now, just because we want to get the creation going back again. We realize people aren't going to shows. Um, and the people that are in the shows, the actors and actresses, they're tight for cash right now too, because of everything going on. You're not making your bonus money that you normally would throughout the year. Sure. Don't expect everyone to be lining up at the door and coming in for a bunch of drinks when you're not making that extra cash flow. So we're just really trying to keep the healthy balance between everything going on and just trying to put everything into perspective which is it's difficult but we can do it you know so if i understand you correctly there were no real false starts but there were moments when you thought well maybe we can open no we better hold off maybe we can open no you'll and then finally in september you said we need to open yep. had you been planning within the the whole thing if we open this is what we will need to do because clearly when i was in there it was it was shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Uh, you had great crowds. And so now you have a theater bar and no theater. So clearly you had two things to deal with, whatever the restrictions that came down from the state, the COVID restrictions. And the third thing is, how do you deal with <laughs> the, the throngs of theater people? And I'm talking about just actors. I'm just talking about the people who work at the theater who still miss you guys, miss hanging around, miss rubbing shoulders with each other. How do you deal with that? So you've got, you've got to change the place around a little bit, and you have to somehow restrict access. So tell me what you've done, because this past weekend, September 9th, was it? Uh, the 11th, the Friday. The 11th you opened, and tell us what you did to make this work for you. Yeah, we have a, we're at 50% capacity now, so we have to cut down on that. So you have a bouncer? You got a guy at the door who says, not yet. Yeah, I'm the guy at the door now. So we went from <laughs> we, went, <laughs> we went from wearing the hats as like just like bartender slash food guy. Uh, me and Kev both wore that hat. Now it's the hat of, okay, we have to, we cleaned before, obviously, but every time someone leaves now, the whole entire place that they sat at has to get disinfected. Uh, you walk to the door and instead of walking into the bar and getting your drink, you have to be held up by a red rope that we're going to let you in once we get 
the accommodations ready for you. Mm -hmm. So we're lucky that we didn't have too many people waiting in line outside, but it is, like you said, it was shoulder to shoulder. Now it's 22 people in here and we're trying to figure out how to make that work. And it's, it's working right now, but it's obviously it's not like having 40 people or 50 people in your bar because that makes a little bit more revenue for everyone. It's a, a different experience. Like you said, you could leave a show and you're running into people, not just from your show to talk about, but the other two shows that happen down the street and you get to exactly vibe out with them for a little bit. And that's the part that we're missing the most because that's what our heart is in this bar is, is to be able to connect those dots. And now it's like, you know, even Friday and Saturday, it was great to see people in here, but they're sitting at their tables and they're waving at people almost like, uh, like scared to do so. Like, I, I don't know mm-hmm. if I should be doing this, but Hey, how's it going? Uh, hey, how have you been? I want to talk to you, but I can't really, I'll see you later. Like it's a whole different feeling. But we did get the uh, the outcome from that whole weekend was that people are just glad to see that we're still here. We didn't close. We still have that light of this isn't going to be this forever. We're going to be able to eventually get back to normal. But in order to do so, we have to take these little steps to get everyone comfortable, including ourselves. Because, again, we're, we went from six months of not talking to anyone and staying with our own groups of friends to now being this exposed to people coming into the bar. You have to be on point with, are you sick? Are you doing this? And take all these precautions that we just didn't think about before. You know, it's just, it's just go to work and, and sell the drinks and, and make people happy. Now it's like, go to work, make sure everyone's safe. If something does happen, we, we have to take full blame for everything. So we just want to make sure that you're comfortable coming in. We're comfortable serving you and the people around can appreciate and respect that. Cause if one person doesn't, then it just makes it awkward for everything else. And it's just like that anywhere. Everyone's on their, their last, their boiling point. And I feel like, you know, even me in the last six months, I'd say once or twice, I got to a point in my day where I'm like, I am so fed up with this. I'm so over this. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of people are feeling that way too, but it depends on the day and the time for who it is. So you can, you know, you're running into people now and they're not in the best mood and they're not feeling good and they're not having a great time. And that's a difficult thing to help you pull out because I feel you too. I don't know what to say. You're in a different boat than I am, but we're all in the same thing, you know? So the vi- the vibe is still there. It's it's muted a little bit. <laughs> and, and it's still just the two of you. So now, in addition to you, you know, being the vibe technician and doing food or whatever, and Kevin being behind the bar, one of you has to be at the door. One of you has to clean up after people leave. It really sounds to me like you're really stretched pretty thin there for just two guys to be working. Yeah, definitely. And again, with, with the half capacity, it's unfortunate. But if even if we did hire someone else, we can't afford to pay them right now. So sure. the, the thing is, okay, so we do hire a third employee. Then all the money we are making goes towards paying him and rent. And then we don't make any money doing that. So we're trying to figure out, well, how can we sustain a lifestyle that we built in the last four years where... We're not big spenders. We don't go out spending a ton of stuff. But at the same time, it's like, I need to have food on my table. I need to have rent money. I need to have this. And it's not going to happen with another person at the moment or, you know, just the capacity issue too. It's kind of like keep your fingers crossed and hope that, you know, next week or the week after things happen or there's a a cure for this or there's a a shot for it or something that can get people more comfortable to go out and and whatnot. It's just a a weird time to be involved in a, a business like this. I'll tell you one thing though. We said if this was four years ago and we opened in April or we're projecting to open in April and March hits with COVID and for the first six months, there would have never been a matinee. And there's, there's places like that right now that are, We've had friends that are building businesses that are trying to open up. And it's just really difficult to, to try to pinpoint. There's really no help from the big wigs trying to figure out, no. you know, we, we paid rent each month. How are we going to do that? We're not bringing any money. In. Like, what do you want us to do now when we have nothing? Where do we go? How do we do this? So I, exactly. It's keep your fingers crossed and, and hope <laughs> for the best. Because if not, it's just you're with everyone else trying to figure out how to get out of this ditch that we're digging ourselves, you know. Now, you do have to follow the rule about ordering food. Is that correct? Do you have food available? Yeah. So we did have our dips. We had like the chicken wing dip and the hummus to kind of make it easy for people before and after a show. If you were to order a hummus or a chicken wing dip less than five minutes, it takes us to make it. So 
we would be able to rush it out to you. If you're running late to a show, we can get you something in your stomach before you go see it with a drink. Now they said that that's not substantial food because of the tortilla chips. It doesn't soak up the alcohol and all this other stuff. Oh, for Pete's sake. I know. So we had to reevaluate what we're doing there. And at the moment, we bought um, we bought a couple air fryers, and those are awesome. But we've been doing pizzas and stuff like that. So again, yeah, one of us has to be at the door. One's got to take the drinks. We have to be waiters now and go to your seat because you can't go to the bar anymore. So it's, it's one of those things we're trying our hardest, but we're also not used to this. So we're just trying to figure out how to keep the same flow going with all these added, like you said, we're spreading ourselves thin, but we have to at the moment. This is as much as we can do. I'm guessing that the adrenaline sustained you the first the first couple nights. Yeah. But I don't know how long you can keep this up with Kevin behind the bar. Then Kevin runs back and puts something in the air fryer. Then you go you go up to the bar and you get some food and you bring it to wait because you're waiting on tables as well. Yeah. And then Kevin comes out with it. It just seems to me like it's going to be exhausting. Of course, you know you're young. For me, it's exhausting for me to just get up off the couch. Yeah. yeah. But for you guys, you'll be able to sustain it a while. But the adrenaline is <laughs> is what sustained you the first week. This is going to be it's going to be tough. I know it's going to be tough. And I admire you. I, I give you you know all the credit in the world for doing this and maintaining what what you set out to do originally. And it's and I agree with you on this too. You know it, it's bound to change. It's 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 going to loosen up eventually. The question is how long can we all just stand each other yeah. the way this is? Yeah. It's just tough. Listen, anything finally you want to say to the audience about about yourselves or about matinee? I know that you feel as positively about the future as as you've already hinted, but uh, go ahead, have the final word. I did uh, forget to mention we did have a a best bar in Buffalo poll during COVID. It happened in April. Yeah, and each every five days it was it was sixty four bars. It was from the Game on Sports guys from Buffalo. Uh, and they were basically just just as like a, a fun thing to do while everyone was quarantined was, hey, what do you guys like about these places? Let us know. And next thing you know it, you know, we're in the top 16. We're in the top eight. We're in the top four. And we ended up winning first place of it because <laughs> you start seeing all these people talk about it. And they're like the personal touch, the personal touch, the, the way that they treat you, the way that you get treated and, and the way other people are accepted here compared to other places. I'm not putting any of the other 63 bars down at all, but they all have a different feeling. And a lot of the feeling they got was an average feeling at these places. Like none of them were too crazy and above and beyond the rest because they are, you know, it's a sports bar. It's very similar to the other sports bar that the other sports bar has. And you go there to watch sports games. Here is one of those things where like, like you said, where else are you going in Buffalo to meet up with theatrical people and musicians just to talk about that it's really hard to find a vibe like that unless you're nine o'clock in the morning at a coffee shop everywhere in buffalo you know what i mean right right wanted that coffee shop hangout vibe at night with the beer and wine with the people and it just slowly yep the black and white movies that people are like oh man my grandparents used to watch this what are you guys doing watching them and it's like (laughs) the reason you see movies nowadays and the reason that they come out with newer stuff is because everything's taken from these movies back in the early 20s and 30s and then you laugh at you know like stepping on a rake and it hitting you in the face and stuff that's like things that people still do in movies (laughs) the dumb and dumber stuff like that in Dumb and Dumber, they were called Harold and Lloyd because of Harold Lloyd. That was their favorite silent movie guy. And a lot of the stuff they did is literally taken from all these movies we watch. So, yeah, and the final, the final thoughts, it's literally trying to get back to the feeling of let's all just relax. Everyone take a deep breath with this. I know there's a lot going on, uh, whether it's people getting sick, people losing money over this. There's only a way to look up after this if you're at the bottom, so... You know, we're just trying to really feel good about it and to make people feel comfortable that there is hope, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and that when it is done, we're going to be partying harder than we ever did. It's going to be the funnest thing ever. <laughs> so it's- oh, it's going to. People are reminded often that after the after the flu pandemic in 1918, what came next was the Roaring Twenties. People just went crazy. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm fully looking forward to that. And I and I should also mention that what you were referring to is that in the background, you have a, a, a screen playing black and white silent movies, just 
<laughs> randomly yeah. for no apparent reason. And, <laughs> and to go back to the bar poll that you were just talking about that you won, the reason is because you got bar A, bar B, and bar C, and, and they're slightly different in theme, slightly different in, in decor, but there is no place, no, there is no place like matinee. It, it's just, it's a one of a kind and uh, you've hit on a formula that that I think is going to last a very long time. So congratulations, boys. Best of luck to you. I hope that things open up sooner rather than later, or I at least hope that you don't exhaust yourselves running from table to table. And I think that's it. So thanks very much for joining me today on Off-Road. You guys have a great day and continue your great success. Thanks. No, we we appreciate the invite, too. Thanks for considering us as a guest. We really appreciate it. It's been my pleasure. Great to meet you, finally. Awesome. Take care. Nice to meet you, too. Bye-bye. Well, if the CIA says so, and the FBI, and the NSA, and the NSC, and all those other initialed groups, never mind. Rex Keppel. Kevin Shanahan from Matinee. I know a lot of you have been looking forward to hearing from those two guys. Those of you who haven't had a chance to go back down there now that it reopened, it's nice to be able to hear their voices and hear that they're still hanging in there and planning to do whatever it takes to keep Matinee open and to keep it one of Buffalo's favorite bars. And were you able to figure out who the mystery guest was who sent us his message from the bunker? There's going to be a cascade of, of fat and pounds coming off, and I'm really, really excited for that. Yeah, we are too. Christian Branges, thanks so much for your contribution. <laughs> and, and seriously, good luck. Good luck with that new talent you're developing. I can only say that we're all waiting desperately to see Christian Branges, ventriloquist extraordinaire, And I hope you all had a chance to catch Bigfoot, RLTP's virtual production, which was performed live this past Friday night and was just a terrific production. I really, really enjoyed it. And if that's what we have to look forward to for this virtual season, great. I'm all in, as I'm hoping you will, too. I'm hoping that you, as I've said before, that you will be like I am and just pretty much subscribe to anything that's coming out, whether it's the BPO or the JRT or RLTP or any of those others that you can think of. If you can afford it, help them out, support them, enjoy the virtual from your own PJs, sitting at home with a martini in hand, enjoy the video that you'll be able to get from all these theater companies and and concerts from the BPO. I'm sure you'll love it. And I can also tell you that the next episode of RLTP's Off-Road will feature something that's coming up in the RLTP program, and that is the Buffalo Rises 2.0 one-act play festival. Six 10-minute short radio plays for your pleasure. And in honor of that, we will have all six of the playwrights interviewed by me on the next podcast. So, I hope we see you in a couple of weeks here on Off-Road, an RLTP podcast with me, Pete Pomisano. Pomisano.